All right. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Life Insider with me, Coach Parfait. And today in our show, we have with us someone really, really far away in Washington, D.C. right now, um, Monica. Monica, it's a really good friend of mine. Um, we have kind of, we knew each other for a couple of years already. And, you know, at one point, I, I feel that, you know, works that we do are pretty similar. Um, but, and I think that, you know, Monica has done so much in different parts of the world. And in the, in the past couple of years, her work has been established across countries, right? Like from US to Asia. And a lot of Monica's work has been featured in Starting Block, in the White House, Ashoka Changemakers, and Women Empowerment Expo. Um, I don't really want to go deep into exactly what Monica do, because I think she will explain to us. But welcome to the show, Monica. Thank you so much for coming. How are you today? Good. Thank you for having me. Nice. So, so Monica, why don't you start off with, you know, sharing a little bit about yourself and tell our audience on this show about who you are and what you do. Tell us a bit more. Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Monica Kang. Um, I'm an entrepreneur, author, and, you know, just a human being who's just really, really curious about how the way we work and live, why can't we do this with more limitless creative mindset? And so my entire work piece uh, at Innovators Box, as well as uh, through my book and the community work that I do throughout is how do I empower people to have an abundance and creative mindset, no matter where they are, and what that means in company culture, leadership development, and team development. Um, and the other fun fact is the reason why I got even passionate about it was because I know what it was like to be stuck in a job that I love so much and got to the point actually quite depressed. Uh, but what I found to be helpful to process that, to re-love my job was creative mindset. But I couldn't really find a tool or a way that really broke it down in a way that I could understand. And that's where I realized if I can figure out how to do it in one way, how can I help amplify this to help many more people? so that they don't have to feel stuck. So essentially what you're working on and what you do right now, it's a lot about using creative creativity to help people to really unlock their mindset, be it young professionals or the corporate CEOs or management in multinational companies. And Absolutely. I know you have done a lot of work with, you know, Fortune 500 companies and so on. Now, can you share a little with us like, you know, I mean, this is probably not an easy journey, right? I mean, entrepreneurs, we started... You know, I am an entrepreneur myself. Can you tell us a bit about some of the challenges that you face getting to where you are today? Absolutely. Uh, if any entrepreneur tells you there were zero challenges, they're lying. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I don't know what cookbook you're using, but I don't think it's the version at Earth. <laughs> um, no, I think in a way I am very uh, grateful for the journey I took and where I am because I, I tell my friends in a way that, you know, even knowing what the business value should be was possible because I actually was unhappy at what I was going through. And so I wouldn't have recognized the pain point or the need of why creative mindset or the work that I'm doing was valuable unless I was going through the pain at work and you know, recognizing there was a gap. And so I would say the number one challenge sometimes entrepreneurs probably face is defining what problem you're even solving and who is it for. Mm -hmm. And something like the work I do, and I know even for you, like, you know, the one thing is maybe defining your audience. Like, yes, I'm coaching like young professionals. In my case, I usually start with CEOs and um, uh, executive levels or leadership teams or department culture wise. But at the end of the day, I really work from Gen Z to baby boomers. And so people would say like, well, how do you actually help them people with their mindset? What does that mean in cultural development? And so yep. I think the challenge, of course, in industries like ours is something, well, yes, it can help everyone, but here's my niche and how I specifically help people in one way um, that actually coincidentally transcend across these different age groups or different cultures. Uh, and hence the challenges, if you don't have that crystal clear in your head or the way you process, the way you deliver and the way you help people through your services and the products that you make, then it could be not only confusing for them, but also for you because now you're suddenly, well, I started because I wanted to help people, but what does that actually mean? And so I would right. say, well, now, uh, you know, now we've been doing it a little less than five years. And so we've now built practice. We've learned who, what our niche is to go deeper. But I would say as a result of the stigma of what creativity is and what innovation has been, 
getting over that uh, to know that, yes, this is really important, and especially actually right now with the whole health crisis. Uh, yeah. so. I, and I like that you mentioned that the whole stigma about creativity. I, I think we'll go a little deeper into that uh, later on sure. in the show. Uh, but I, I really want you to sh also share with us because, I mean, the purpose of the show, it's really for our audiences to really listen to the personal stories, right? The yeah. personal challenges that you face. And, you know, you working with corporate CEOs, management, board level, we know there's a lot of difficulties. But what about you starting out? Like, you know, starting up Innovators Box and then writing a book, Rethink Creativity. Yeah. How has the journey been personally for you, right? Like, you know, friends you know, talking about, about it or people around you, family, you know, it, it's not an easy journey. Can you share a little with us about that challenge, that personal mm -hmm. challenge that you face along the way when you start or along the journey of, you know, getting to where you are right now? Absolutely. There's, there's a really great uh, visual that I totally love. And I think all entrepreneurs really appreciate that, which is, uh, it's this little graph that says like, okay, I'm doing well. And then wait, no, I'm freaking out. Okay, I'm doing well. And then wait, no, I'm freaking out. Wait, I'm doing fine. I'm like, no, everything's crashing. So yeah. I, say, I say to that question, in a way, I think it's getting comfortable with knowing that that challenge actually never stops. Is part of the challenge mm. of being an entrepreneur, which is actually then a mental fight. Um, so when I was an employee and you know had a nine to five job before, uh, the, the pain points of the challenge that I go through, yes, there was a lot as I think a, as a profession, but there were, uh, my friends said this very wisely, uh, for every, you know, at work, we usually try to solve difficult problem and it's hard because we have 80% information. We, we have used 80% of the information to solve 20% of the problems uh, mm -hmm. in a way. So like we, we try to research a lot, process it, and then we solve it. But because there's a gap, we, it's hard. For entrepreneurs, it's like make, so making decisions. So 80% of the information you make decision with it. So that's why there's a gap. For entrepreneurs, we are making decisions with probably 1% information every single second. Uh, yeah. And so hence, that's why I think to your question of like, what are, what is the challenge? It's not an is, I think it's the are. Um, and I think reframing that mindset was part of the challenge because, you know, I had to, uh, my, my family says I had to learn how to be kinder, <laughs> not only to myself, but to like, you know, the way I was like processing because, you know, everything just takes significantly longer, but everything is so rewarding because it's really out of, you see clarity. The more work you put in, the more results you get. It's just crystal clear. And I think just knowing how, like, for instance, like for us to get like our first corporate projects, like, yeah, it took me a lot of conversations, a lot of meetings where people are like, oh, Monica, that's nice. Like, but like, yeah, that sounds like her kids program. I'm like, no, I mean for adults because there is enough great kids program, but like I'm talking about adult programs where we can transform and yes, we can play at work to be productive. And so part of my big hurdle was just like trying to be patient, not only with myself, to take the feedback I needed to grow, but knowing where I needed to stop the buck to know, okay, well, this is what our core value is. Mm -hmm. And I should never forget that and ne not let somebody discourage me from wanting to see the vision for somebody else. And then at the same time, stopping it. And so I think it's one knowing that Preparing yourself that this is a marathon, I think was something that I really had to train and constantly wake up every morning and remember, this is my happy list. These are the things I'm going to be my bold list. These are the things I don't know if it's going to happen, but I have to try. Yeah. And sometimes that took two years. And I think for us to, for me to acknowledge that now it's a lot easier for me to have said that when I first started that Monica, some of your goals might take two years. I don't know if I would have done that. Um, cause it's a lot more patience. Um, and then second, just realizing, going back to your example with people around life, um, I unfortunately had to let go of certain people in my life because they were very negative. Uh, they were telling me proactively, Monica, I don't think you are equipped to do this. I, you've never done an MBA. Like you've never, you've never done anything like this. And I'm like, that's right. That's why I want to do it because I, I think there's something else that I can still bring value. And I'm grateful that my, my family was very supported um, and was able to share a lot of 
support, but I did put a code of honor in. I think this is probably more because of the Asian culture. Uh, you know, parents say things out of love. And yeah. so I, I said like, like mom and dad, I love you. And because I love you and I want to call you whenever I want to, when I'm stressed or happy, can we just put a code of honor? I know traditionally business might fail in the next two to five years. So give me five years of just sanity break. I might call you and cry. I might call you and be happy about something. I might call you and say something has changed, but will you just promise me to never say the word? Why do you not? Why don't you just like stop doing this business and find work? We're like, why don't you do a, like, why don't you like not do this? Because words are powerful. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, it's one thing for me to train myself, but if you have loved ones around you, including family and friends, if they are not somebody who can respect that code of honor as a non-entrepreneur, I think entrepreneurs tend to understand how to be more mindful about that and in a motivational way, but that was something that we've learned. And so even up until this day, sometimes they say that up until then, I'm like, no, 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 don't finish that <laughs> sentence, mom, dad. Like we promised that code you, you gave me, I still have another year and a half. Like you have to let them give me time. And they're like, okay, fine. We'll, fin we'll call you when we finish talking to one another. I'm like, okay, you can do that, but I just don't want to hear it. I love it. So, yeah, those are some things, but, um, I mean, it's just, the truth is it never stops. Like, even right now with COVID, we're just going through reassessing what, how do we deliver our value to our customers and allies when we can't do it in person because that's how we do um, so anyway, uh, those are, those are some things that come to mind. It's 100%. I really love what you talk about. The two things that's really, really stood out for me, and I think for all our, our audiences who will be listening, it's that, number one, you, you, you have to let go of friends because when you move from one thing to, you know, starting out something that you're really passionate about, you know, you really feel that's, that's right for you and you feel that's what you want and you go all in. But, you know, there's all these people or voices around you who's telling you that, no, it's not possible, you're not equipped, you can't, and all these kind of negative thoughts and, and, and words, you, know, you, you, you have to make a decision to let them go. And, and I, I love that because I've done that myself for like many, many years. You know, I, I, I'm very conscious about the people I have around me, right? People who are really negative, I make conscious decisions to let them go because they probably don't serve me on the long, long run, right? And, that, and I love that because I've done, I've done that myself. But the second one you talk about, the code of honor, I, I really love it. I mean, I wish I knew that like, you know, 10 years ago when I was talking to my mom or my dad, that it's so helpful. And, and I think that really helps because, yeah, 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 definitely not. I mean, <laughs> We're uh, it'll, be, it'll be really difficult, <laughs> but, but it's, it's important, right? Because when you know that there is an expectation and there is a boundary, yeah. it helps everyone to be on the same page, right? And to be fair, I've actually done the same actually with, with my wife and then girlfriend. Because when I started my first coaching, my first coaching business, we were really honest about it. I was like, you know, give me three years and let me do it for three years. If it doesn't work, I think I told you the story as well. If it doesn't work, I'll go and get a job that give me a pay and all these kind of things. And it actually happened. But it gives that expectation and both parties will go and leave, you know, happy and with the same kind of expectation. So I really love that code of honor. And I think our audiences will be able to, to kind of practice this in the future uh, when they want to pursue their goals and so on. Now, you mentioned something along the line of, you know, whatever that's happening right now, you know, COVID is happening. The world is, you know, because of COVID-19, a lot of things has to change. You know, the world is changing so fast. And now we are forced to change even faster because of what's happening with COVID right now. And, and that also means, I don't know about you, but my business has gone through a lot of downs in the past couple of months. And I, we spoke offline about it as well. You are also going through certain things. So it's, it's hard generally for people to have to go through change. And it's even harder when it's something that's forced upon you. There's a lot of things happening. I mean, I know some, some people are getting pay cuts. Some people are getting retrenched. Businesses are failing. So in challenging times and all these failures that's happening right now, what are some of the mindsets or some of the thought process that you have at the back of your head that helps you to keep going? Great point. Great point. So uh, there's a couple things. I think uh, I'll share four briefly that I hope that people can walk away with. So number one, we become what we consume. Wow. 
And this is why like people who love gratitude journals, this is why people who love watching TED Talks, like, or even just like probably, I know we had a conversation like how like certain positive messaging on social media, why we gravitate towards that and how we like feel about it. And right now reading a lot of negativity online, how that makes us feel. Um, And to digest how all of that process is, just remember that statement, we become what we consume. And so knowing how that's the brain doing its work because that's what it's trained to do because it's processing it's it's like your computer in a way but so much more talented than a computer um it's trying to understand the world of prioritizing what you are giving so just like your physical health um if you exercise if you eat well like of course your physical uh body would be healthier think about your brain as your mental health um if you really care about wanting to figure out how to cope this cope through any challenge. Uh, COVID is, is actually one of the many things that will continue to happen in life. Yep. It's just a little bit extreme that, you know, it's gotten to where it is, but, you know, don't see that as like, oh, this is a blip of just one time thing. I'm like, no, see that as like, how do I continue to build this skill set and use this as an opportunity to get to know how my mind works so that I'm prepared. Uh, whatever it rains, storms, like, okay, I'm scared, but I, I know how to process this. And that's because you know that your mind is what you consume, which means you can choose what you want to consume to decide how you want to feel and process. So that's number one. Number two is then being aware that, you know, we are a lot more sensitive and stronger than we think. And I think both is really helpful. Uh, A quote that I like to keep in mind is that we overestimate what we would do probably in a year but we underestimate what we would do in maybe five or 10 years. And that's because we really don't know what the future is. Like I would have never thought like in 10 years, I would start a business, like be in front of you having these conversations because I originally wanted to be a diplomat. So my entire career and the work I did was traditionally in like foreign policy, international affairs, being a scholarly, reading a lot of books. (laughs) I still have a lot of books, but like I I would have never dreamed if I just focused on staying in a structure. Uh, And so the reason why, but I use the word trade sensitive and strong is because now I'm seeing that I was, stronger in my heart and my skill sets and at adapting and being agile but it was also because i was sensitive i was hurt at a lot more moments when i thought i shouldn't feel hurt because we're human beings like if somebody said mm. something i'm like oh that was hurtful like i felt excluded in that conversation and especially working in government and sensitive materials in nuclear security like sometimes i felt like i felt like a non you know exclusion well there's there's a bit of a culture that we have there but because um, being Asian, being female, and being young are three things that are a minority in that whole industry uh, actually still is in the innovation space. I know we, we talk about that quite yeah. a bit in the coaching and innovation. And so I think I say that because it's really helpful for us to be mindful in how our feelings and emotions are, but also that it's okay for you to feel sensitive and scared, but just know that you're, you're, your root is so much stronger than that. Just know that you're just waving in the wind with it, not being crushed by it. Um, Mm. So that's the second piece. Uh, uh, The other piece is just knowing that it takes time. So you need to practice your thought, your thought process. So everything, both of these points, so knowing what we consume, being who we surround ourselves. That's why talking about the people is actually really important. Going back to how we overcome challenges and being aware of a mindset is because what people tell us who the friends we associate with influences, but it takes time. That's why just because you're best friends with somebody who's very positive minded, doesn't make you positive immediately. Just because you watched an amazing talk doesn't make you immediately excited. Maybe just for like five seconds but you need to then be intentional. That's why exercise, you, you don't just go to the gym one time, you probably exercise every day or every month, you have a routine every week. Same thing with your mind, so you have to practice. Huh? So I'll just leave it as three, because I think that kind of, I shared a lot on that. Is that helpful? I love it. Yeah, I love it, especially the last one, because when you talk about practicing your thought process, because a lot of people you know, assume that, I mean, we, we all know that quote, right? Like you become the average of the, of the five person that you spend time with, that it's correct, but, but provided you do it consistently, right? You can't just be with a group of friends 
for a day and then you don't see them anymore in like a year and you expect to be the same or you know on the same level as them in terms of mindset thinking or emotions but that just doesn't work it takes consistency it takes practice right and i and, and for me i think it's not just the thought process i think it's also the processing the emotion right Absolutely. the emotion that we've gone through that we go through every day and a mentor of mine called this the hindsight bias right sometimes when you go through negative emotions the first time we go through it, it takes us a while to kind of get back up, right? It takes us a while to be able to process it. But I think this is what resilient is. It's about, you know, how can you go through the same emotion, but spend less time dwelling upon it, right? It's the activation, right? It's like, once I go through this the first time, it takes me, let's say, I don't know, 10 days to get over it. And then the next time I go through the same failure or similar failures or similar emotions, it takes me seven days. And then in the future, it take me three days, and then it take me one day, and then it take me one hour, right? That's also a practice, right? And, and I, I really think that, you know, we have to go through all this, you know, heartbreaks, breakups, challenges, failures, to kind of build that resilience. Because if not, you don't practice that resilience or that emotion, you yeah. won't have it, right? So in the future, when something really happens to you, then yeah. it will be a no. big thing, right? It's like, dude. Exactly, like the four scenes that we have right now with COVID, right? Perfect, okay. I love it. Can I add one more thing to that yeah. to connect to your comment? So I think the reason why, I know you try to push me in like, Monica, tell me more challenges. I want you to go specific. But the reason why I think the way I answered it and the way I'm processing is because, yes, like I had a lot of awful moments. I cried. I had a lot of different challenges. We can have a whole fireside chat and that'll require many hours. But the reason why I think the way I answered is because my gut instinct is the way I've been processing to train my brain is back to that resilience. So yes, how many moments of bad days? I can't count because it's too many. But how many good days? Oh, so much more as well because it's all about, and that's why I, I was trying to visualize that graphic because yes, you have going down, but then you go back up. And I think when you do it so much, it is quite chaotic, but you actually then build strong resiliency. Exactly. And that's why it becomes powerful. And so, yes, like, do I have challenges? Of course. <laughs> Where do you want to start? That's going to be a whole long conversation. But it's all about then how you process it, what actions are you taking with it, and what, do, what are you making out of it? Like, are you making that into amazing gold nuggets of, like, diamonds of, like, ooh, because of this conflict, I've now learned about this new value that I never thought about. Like, oh, I now know that that's a trigger of mine. That's helpful. I'm going to be more careful next time. Or, oh, I see that this friend needs, I need to communicate this way to be more effective because if we did it, we have this whole miscommunication. Or, yeah. oh, like I need to say it this way so for my clients to feel appreciated. Like whatever that is, we learn through that. But I think if the end note is like here, the bottom, that's... So that's when you want to really think about, okay, how do we make that as part of it, not the end of the story? You have to figure out how to get back up. Love it. And, and, and this is exactly what a lot of work that I do, right? Because see, the things that you have done over the years, being able to, to look at it from the more positive side of things doesn't happen automatically. It takes a lot of consciousness, awareness, and practice, right? And, and that's what I, I think human are capable of if we are capable of learning something that is bad i am confident that we are capable of learning something that is even better Absolutely. right we can change and rewire the way our brain think and the way our brain works to make it work for us because most of the time you know a lot of work that i do i've talked to like young professionals from different cultures different parts of the world i've coached mentor work with them trained them a lot of us, it's that we act on a very default mode. We act in, you know, in, a, in a reaction mode rather, you know, rather than proactive mode, right? We think about it and this is what I choose to do. A lot of us are very reactive, right? And, and a lot of people told me that you know, they don't have confidence. They don't, they're not sure if this is what they want. It's because they are reacting to what's happening by default in the society, in the parents, their parents' expectations, society's expectations, and so on. And that's the reason why in life redesign, and, and this is a good, good lead into what we do, it's that in life redesign, the two core pillars that we really want to help do, it's to help people to gain clarity about what they want to do in their life and build their confidence so that they actually go and do it, right? Yes. And I'm pretty sure you personally have been there, right? Like from a, 
you know, nuclear non-proliferation expert, policy expert into a creativity facilitation <laughs> approach. I mean, I don't even know how you get there, right? Um, so, but, but that, you know, you have gone through a set of process to gain that clarity. And then at the same time, you have gone through a journey in order to build that resilience and that confidence to keep doing it. Now, my question is, you know, from that, you know, your goal before this, you know, you, I, I've read your bio, you have done a lot of work with the end goal of becoming a diplomat, right? And it seems like you have a lot of interest, at least back then, in policymaking, in making change in, in, a, in a bigger picture, right? Governments and that impacts the world. How did that change to where you are today? And how do you find that clarity? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for There's so many thoughts. Um, I'll, I'll share two stories to answer that briefly. So one, the reason why I thought that being a diplomat was the right career for me was because I remember when I was watching TV, I think it must have been elementary school or middle school and people like, you know, people keep asking you when you're young, like, what do you want to be? What do you want to grow up? And I think like, um, I remember like looking at the news or like reading some things and like, I sucked at math. I, I still do. I still suck at math, science. <laughs> like I was trying to think about like what I'm good at. And I'm like, I don't really like, I, I like, I, I like history, but like, I'm not good with memories of dates and stuff. And I'm like, okay, but like, I really, I'm so curious about humans work. Like I'm just so curious and like interested at how like people with different cultures, different background work together. And like, I, I like have this visualizations like, oh, so I wonder if diplomacy is the right career for me because basically it's this big like entity which has multiple faces in one country trying to figure out how to work with these, all their multiple identities and building friendships, having miscommunication. And so it was like, oh, that's fascinating because that means I'm constantly getting to learn about people, understand how, and then I'm, I'm basically a bridge builder. Like I would love to do that. I loved like, even I think throughout any point of my life, I loved always like bringing together different people. I'm like, hey, you two have connection. This is how I see it. And they're like, what? I'm like, oh, okay. And then like bridge relationships. And I think that was something that I was just always excited about because I love, um, diverse perspectives, opinions, and I grow and ignite perspective from it. And it just got the hunger of how can I help other people do more of that? And so diplomacy in like the type of careers that was available at the time was like, oh, duh, like that seems like a legitimate place I should be able to do that. So, and then also I'm type A and Asian and all that other stuff. So like career track, like you should only do this. <laughs> so I'll say I was pretty like one of the many extremes like I would only even watch tv shows or like anything that was related to like history or diplomacy or like west wing I binge watch on that but like I would not binge watch on some of the other stuff because it's like that's romance I, I don't need to watch and learn about that that's like that's too cheesy I'm not gonna watch that I'm gonna learn about things I can like learn um, now you can ask me on anything I can tell you on any quiz on Netflix or any show because I've now binge watched almost literally everything <laughs> That's I, mean, I mean, for the past one, two weeks, I think most of us has been binge watching yeah. on Netflix. But I say that as my first part of the story is because um, I knew with clarity that that's something that I was just innately a part of who I was. I love bringing people together. And I chose diplomacy as a career track of potential because it just seems like the only available option at the time of what I knew. And... Uh, I pivoted because I, I wanted to, you know, help other people be innovative and like now that I started a business, but the second story of why I still know with clarity that I'm still on the same track is just with a different hat is that I remember when I was interning at state um, at one of the embassies in Vienna, Austria, and uh, I, I love traveling. So like nine to five, I would be at work. And then every weekend, I would make the intention of traveling as far as I can. So from Austria, I, like, I was so proud. I went all the way to Hamburg. I went, I went all the way to Vienna. Uh, no, uh, no, Venice. Um, and then like uh, Florence. That's far. <laughs> I know, all by train. I've like travel hacked out of it. We can, I can tell you travel tips for anyone who wants to learn about that. But one of the stories I like never forgot was um, because English is a second and third language there. Fortunately, I could get around. But Sometimes I would be in conversations where people would not understand me. So I would have to break it down and like to get to places. And I traveled all alone and I never forgot. There were at least literally every weekend, somebody would say to me, which is like, 
oh, you must be American. I'm like, first, I was really excited that I'm like, oh, yes, I am American. They recognize my accent. <laughs> but two, this is what they said. And I was really like, wow, was that, oh, so you're actually an American who is traveling not to be trashed in, in, in just like being like traveling around. Because at that time, unfortunately, as an American, sorry, I'm going to uh, criticize the, some of the culture, because there were a lot of you know, younger, like Americans who were traveling just to like drink and party and like, and they were appreciative that I was asking about their country's history. I was asking them about like, and I'm sure there's actually a lot more Americans as well as non-Americans around the world, but it was just really humbling for them to tell me that like, you might be one of the first Americans who were really kind, legitimate, and actually was trying to get to know my country's history and perspective and not assuming where I was coming from. And then what clicked me instantly through those journeys, those, those weekends was like, wow. So yes, I might be able to choose a career track of being in diplomacy, which I would still love if there's a future opportunity, who knows where the world will go. But what I really appreciated from their stories is that you don't have to have a title of a diplomat to play a diplomatic role or bridge bridges. And that was a key aha moment for me in thinking about whatever way I go, even if I stayed in that role, I thought about like, oh, so that means I don't have to work at the government to be a bridge builder. I can always do that if my intention of choosing the work and the way I navigate is that. So now with the work I do at Innovation, while how I pivoted is a whole story in itself, I know with clarity, it's still the right place because I'm just now bridging people to understand, hey, you saw that innovation is just in this department. Well, I'll tell you how the marketing and the accounting and the procurement department is all being innovated by bridging relationships. Let me connect you all. Let me explain how this retail industry and this like pharmaceutical industry that you never thought connected would connect the dots. So, or like this age, you thought, uh, you know, Gen Z was just young and didn't know what to think. Well, let me tell you how Gen Zs and baby boomers can work together. So I'm actually still playing the same role. And I realized it helped me uh, knowing that that curiosity interest was there from very young and original part of who I was and knowing with clarity, as you said, that this is always still part of who I am and developing through that while the shape and the form has probably changed. Um, I think that's where I still have joy in knowing that, yes, it kind of completely makes sense. And I'm probably well equipped because I've been training my brain for that my entire life. Mm. I think about how do I bridge relationships? It's just that now I'm not doing that in a political context I'm, or a nuclear weapons context. I'm just doing that in innovation and culture and leadership in different communities around the world. Well, I, I, I really love that because, because how you're seeing this from, see on a, on a surface, if we go and tell people about Monica, she went from a nuclear non-proliferation policy expert into a facilitator, a coach, if we were to tell people this story, a lot of people will assume, wow, Monica made a big shift in her life. But upon listening to your story, and I think this is a big lesson that a lot of our listeners can learn, is that at the end of the day, what you need, the clarity that you need, it's really that deep desire of who you are. Absolutely. In your story, it's really about that person who's really curious. Right. And, and it was that, 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 you know, that curiosity since young that gives you that, you know, knowledge and gives you that mindset about bridging, about building bridges for different culture, for different people coming together to achieve a bigger goal and so on and so forth. And yeah. your story really shares like, you know, how people should get clarity about their passion or their purpose. Right. And that leads to the second point. It's, it is okay to change. Oh, absolutely. I think one thing we have a wrong stigma is like, perfect. I wouldn't be upset if you said, Monica, I want to eat pasta today, but tomorrow I might want to have like Thai food, but the next day I might want to have pizza. And then the next day I might want to have fried rice. Like nobody's going to say like, perfect. What's wrong with you? Why are you changing what you like for food? Yes. And yet we assume that in our career. And so I think what I hope, um, what I've learned from my journey uh, yes, my industry is different. It, it, it is still a big shift. But what I hope people realize and what I hope to see more in the future careers is that instead of letting the title or the industry be the defining factor of how you're changing, you should focus on seeing what skills, what core values and where you're um, 
your core value is and how that is either changing or remaining. So in my case, yes, the bridge building and intention was a big part of the value that I saw that it was actually growing more and not slowing down through the work that I do. And two, actually, while I, and I shared with Carfe before this as well, like being a speaker, facilitator and coaching all of this, like I didn't really have traditional training or experience actually prior to this because I, I was in a different field. But what I realized well, as I was getting into it, the reason why I was still equipped to do this well and uniquely in the way I was able to bring value was because I, as somebody who loves to learn, I basically did every single role that you can imagine in an event setting including even the cleaning or like the, the, the person who like helps you with the staff and putting the plates. Uh, Cause I've done those kind of a bartender kind of help too. When I was in college to like earn money. And then um, as well as like helping with VIPs to like behind like light security and stuff like that. I do everything except for the speaker. And so I realized that I've been in so many rooms, what I knew what it felt like to enjoy a session and hate a session to know, I wonder how would it look like for me to bring value? And I think if I didn't have that insight, of course I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing now, even with the passion and the interest. And so it's so important that we focus on the core skills and the value we provide, because if I didn't have that, not only would I not have that clarity that yes, I'm still building bridges, so it makes sense. Yes, mm -hmm. it might be that I change this, and yes, I could have multiple interests. Um, and I know it's a little different for doctors and like certain industries, I, I totally get that. But even in the doctor's industry, it's probably like, you know, is this person who's really good with how they, uh, how they relate to patients? Is this person really good at how they like process the procedures that is very complex, but like can communicate in a calm manner, manner when everyone's panicking, like yeah. everyone has a unique value they provide. And I would say everyone who's joining and listening is to think about like, don't let that title or industry be the defining finite definition of who you are. Focus on like, what does, who is Carfe as Carfe as the person? Who is Monica, Monica as the person? Totally. And then let that be the start of like, what does that mean when you are a coach? What does that mean when you're going to work? What does that mean when you're a family member? And if that identity is different, then that's part of the conversation you might want to even start. I love it. I love that you actually ended this with this, this learning with the word identity. Yeah. I, I, I really resonate with it because at the end of the day, you know, a career or a job is just a part of our life. But what really doesn't change as much, it's really the core values of who we are. Of course, I, I also agree that your core values can change at different stages of your life. Your, your big purpose and your mission can change at different stages of your life. But the awareness of that, of who we are, it's the guiding compass of, you know, us choosing or deciding the kind of things that we want to do and ultimately our career, the way we make money and so on and so forth. And, and that the identity is the most important thing for us because these days too many people has, you know, mixed the line or blur the line and use their job title as their identity. And sometimes I would love, I always ask people, if you strip away your title, take away the name of the company that you're working for, who are you? Right? Oh, yeah. That is, yeah. Exactly. They're like, uh, yeah, like they just, they just couldn't, right? So that's what's important, really having that clear identity. Um, that's really important for people to really discover their passion and work on passion and their purpose to fulfill their potential, which is something that you do, something that I do, and that's the reason why we click really well on yeah. this show and, and things that we do. And that connects to the confidence because yeah. when you know who your original identity is, you feel more confident regardless of the title in mm. the industry. Mm, wow. That's and sometimes crazy. it doesn't have to be passion. I know sometimes people are like, well, but Carfe, like Monica, what if I don't know my passion? What if I don't know what I love about? We'll start with something small. Like what are things that you like more than things you like less and start finding patterns, but you really have to know, who you are and like where you are yep. to know where you want to go. So yes. Beautiful. Love it. Love it. Start with something small. One thing that you like more than the other. It, it doesn't have to be the one that you love the most, but at least yeah. you like it over something else. Right. Yeah. Start That's with that. Start. Right. Beautiful. That's love it. Love it. So now we've talked a lot about, you know, your, your, the, your journey, your personal story, a bit of lessons that you have learned and so on. Um, Let's talk a little bit about creativity. 
-hmm. Now, I don't know about you, obviously probably not about you because you started this whole thing. Um, I don't know about some of our audiences, but when I see the word, when I hear the word creativity, it scares me, right? And I mean, <laughs> I mean, look at, look at your wall. It's all paintings and you know, you are a creative person in that sense, right? You paint, you draw, uh, but what, how would you, you know, tell someone or how would you explain to someone about creativity to someone who's, you know, like they get afraid when they see the word creativity. So one disclaimer, all of this, while it is my work, I have never done painting or drawing like this. And this was actually at my time when I was really stressed and I needed an outlet. This was oh, five wow. years ago. So uh, before this, I had none of these. So it's not like, uh, but then in a way, I think it was there because I was always like, I was curious. So um, yeah, I don't ever consider myself an artist, but this was like just me letting out my thoughts because I was stressed out. Um, and so I know even before this for me as well, if somebody said, are you a painter? I'm like, no, I'm like I'm, I, I read books. So what are you talking about? Same. What are you talking chart. about? <laughs> I, I can do Excel chart, uh, Excel sheets. Uh, maybe I've seen a pixel graphics of, of somebody who does that, but no, I don't do that. So anyway, I, I would say, and I, I want to start with that because I think often we tend to tell a story about who we are based on what we know about ourselves so far. Wow. But that's not the full picture of who we can be. That's true. <laughs> Word choice matters. If, if uh, uh, let's see, a frog is a good example, right? If a tadpole thought that was the end of the journey, it would never have known that it would be a frog. If a butterfly thought that I'm just going to be this little worm around eating stuff, I would never know that it would be a butterfly. And I think all of us have that little butterfly moment. And then all of us would have a moment where we would be a flower and just be more than a seed. But we have to nurture the seed. Mm -hmm. And that nurturing process means something different. And unfortunately, going back to the reason why we have the gut instinct of a feeling with creativity is because we've been trained and told throughout our life what creativity is. It's being artistic, it's being colorful, it's those who are better in art class, sing better. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not them. <laughs> <laughs> Neither am I. Yeah, but that's the reason why we, our gut instinct feels that. So number one, I, I, so I guess number two, I hope what you hear when I say this is that it's okay for you to acknowledge how you feel, whatever that word means for you. But what I hope you take a moment to think about is like, instead of letting that stop, let that be a, instead of letting that stop, let that be a start to wonder why am I feeling that way about it? Wow. And often what happens is it's often that one moment when I, when we were really young and somebody said, Oh, sorry, sorry, Monica, your drawing isn't as, isn't as pretty as your friend Susan over there. I'm like, no. <laughs> And it's all it takes is that brief moment for us to build up and keep telling a narrative about what we thought it is. And unfortunately, throughout the education system, throughout the workforce, the way society has taught, there is a bias. And that was the very reason why when I even got into this whole journey of creativity, I was really shocked and surprised to learn there's so much data and research that tells we are all creative naturally, every single human being as a person. And we can prove this by saying even this dialogue is an example. If we don't know how to be creative, we wouldn't even know how to communicate in a thoughtful manner. We would just be reading scripts. I'm like, okay, Carpe, it's your time to say this now. Okay, now Monica's going to say this. <laughs> but that's not Good how point. this happened. I just told Carpe, like, I, I, I skimmed at the questions, but I, like, I'm going to have to, like, share my real gut instincts because we're going to have to share an authentic story. And that's part of a natural part of humans are. And so... Third, now I hope what you realize is that when science shows that, if that's still not processing, just remember that it's probably because the way we are created is all different. And for some, that means art. For others, it might mean numbers. For others, it might mean the words they use. The others, it might mean the way you process things. For, for some of you that you're listening, it might be the way you are making decisions. But the key is that you want to figure out what that is Take time to enjoy and play with it because what you will also notice that is similar to this or when you don't have it is when you get stressed out more. Because as a human being, we all actually 
feel most alive when we're creative. It's not a coincidence that around the universe, there's an expression where people say, oh, I feel like so much happier that I was creative or like I thought my process out loud or like I found a new idea. Like we have like, we get like endorphins and like get excited. Mm. It's not a coincidence. We feel that there's science to that. It's just like science is still a little behind in figuring out what that scientifically all means and how our brain works and its creativity works. And so remember that fourth piece because for you as you're listening it might be that maybe you feel that fear of uncertainty because we just don't know yet what creativity means for you and take that time of a learning going back again and figure out you know first why you felt hurt about it but then once you think about that figure out what your gem is and maybe you realize you know what I am really great at writing creative emails to get people messaged across okay then that's your gem maybe you're really great at communicating that's important. And you probably would have then noticed that you feel a little more tired when you don't have that connection because you're not letting that your creative energy out. And of course, the fifth mm -hmm. point is then once you recognize it, then it's being intentional of making space. So for me, I realize, yes, this is one way of being creative, but my creative real juice is when I connect with people and help them connect the dots. And now you see it's a full picture, right? It's still going back to my passion of realizing that I love bringing people together. And that's where my creative talent I realize is. And that's why I think when I speak, when I do culture development, when I do team development, it's, I get excited about it because I'm, I'm using my thing that I love about. Um, so anyway, I hope that now gives a little bit more confidence in breaking down. And I know I'm the right person because I also used to be type A and never minded and I did not believe in creativity. <laughs> that's the reason why I'm doing this to help you. But I think the biggest insight that I have in, in what you just said about, you know, creativity, it's, you know, we, we often so much, the, when the word creativity comes in, the first thing that we thought about, it's painting, it's colors, it's uh, basically paintings, right? Being an artist. But just like you mentioned really beautifully that creativity can be expressed in different ways. It could be language, it could be building relationships, it could be decision-making, it could be thought process. And actually that just kind of, kind of gave me that that inside because it's like oh that is true because i then i now realize that my creativity is about helping people to see things from different perspective and that's what i do when i coach it's i help people to see a problem the challenges a belief an issue from different lenses lenses that they don't see lenses that they don't think about and lessons, lenses that they didn't realize exist in the first place. And that is my creativity. Mm. And, I, and I just really kind of like, that's so, so powerful to, to see it. And I hope all our listeners today will be able to bring this back and really look at their life and rethink creativity in that way. Now, Monica, before we end, can you share with us, like, you know, what are some of your tips, like maybe two or three things that, you know, our listeners or we can do on a day-to-day -day basis to kind of practice that, you know, that creativity. Because I think you mentioned a little bit about, about flow in a sense, right? When you're creative, yeah. you are in the zone, you are in the flow, you are like things just flow through you, right? You have yeah. those ideas, whatever that is. How, how, you know, how can we make more of that? What are some of the practices that we can do to, to do that? So number one, asking questions like that is a great start. <laughs> Because often we are not curious enough to want to make it intentional. Mm. The number one, if you're asking that, compliment yourself and say, you're already great job. Step one, you're in the curious zone. That's great. Now, step two is in thinking about where you squeeze in time to, for that intentional practice. And what I found to be most effective is uh, whether it's uh, the current situation where we're going to COVID or the everyday normal life that you had before, Take a look at your weekly schedule, your monthly schedule, and see where is a routinely time that you can block off either five minutes or 10 minutes to do something different, to mm -hmm. learn something or listen to something or be inspired. Because I, I shared with you one of the statements that's really important to understand in our mindset is we become what we consume. So if you feel like, oh, I just, you know, I, I just don't know where to start. Well, let's start with consuming more messages that inspires you, that motivates you, get you fired and be curious. Mm. Then think about, okay, then maybe this week, I know I usually, let's say, let's say I have an hour commute. 
I'm going to listen to maybe 30 minutes uh, podcast or 30 minutes. I'm going to, you know, listen to an audiobook or 30 minutes. I'm going to listen to the news where they tell me a lot of different stories. Just let that thought process go in. Um, or maybe that, you know, that, you know what, I always have like a 30 minute hour time with my kids. Why don't you make that a creative time? And your sole purpose is just to have fun with your family and be creative. That's all your goal is. And just simplify it. But the key is that you make it routine and easy to win so that it's not a hard barrier for you to start. Right. Then you want to think about how you measure it and assess your process because you don't want to just start doing that and like forget how your journey is. So start measuring that to start down and maybe a diary or like, you know, put it, I usually like to use my phone to like just jot down even for instance, like weekly kind of patterns I assess. And it might be that, you know, Hey, I did this date and this day, but Oh, the reason why I feel a little down today is because I didn't spend time doing something different yesterday. Then you can be more self-aware to make the decision. So those are the tips that I recommend. Love it. Totally. I, I, and I really, I, I love it because some of the things I do, you know, I do gratitude journals on a day-to-day -day basis. And these days I'm trying to practice a 25 minutes, you know, in the morning, trying to do something different, like, you know, trying to get myself out of the whole, you know, coaching, personal development, hustling mode to just do something uh, random. Right. So that's what uh, I try to do. So thank you so much for, for being here with us, Monica. We, we, I think, and I think our listeners has gotten really a lot of values from this. And before we end, how can our listener, reach out to you. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about your book? Um, you know, where, where are you on social media? How can now people find you? Absolutely. Absolutely. So my social media handle is a little different for all the channels. I apologize on that, but find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Um, you can find my book, Rethink Creativity. Rethink um, Creativity. There are fun color images that I put there um, on Amazon. Uh, there is ebook too, so encourage ebook reading as well. And if you want to really dig deeper through all of this, it's going to really help. And just like, please reach out. Um, my email is also monica at innovatorsbox.com. Uh, I'm here for you. Uh, I have a lot of also online tools, so use that. But please know that it's okay. Be patient and have fun with it. Like that's the key piece. If it's not fun, it's, you know, why bother doing it? So let's, let's have fun through the journey. So Beautiful. Thank you. thank you so much. Thank you so much, Monica. And thank you so much everyone for tuning in and listening to our show Life Insider with Coach Cafe with our guest today, Monica Kang, all the way from Washington, DC. And see you guys next time. Thank you.